So I have been um, somewhat, kind of, sort of, maybe a little bit preparing um, for retirement. This is not the announcement of me retiring. Sorry to disappoint some of you, but um, you know, I, I, I have to admit, not being not being terribly diligent. I guess I don't know. Maybe I maybe maybe we have been. Um, some of our investments are down in value. That's always a little bit irritating, uh, you know, for me as I think about it. But um, one of the investments that we've been working on for years now, and it's taken both our time and our, our money, um, but I don't regret any of it. I don't regret any of those uh, of the investments in this particular one. In fact, I would say it's increased in value. Uh, and that's the investment uh, in our grandchildren. Um, most weeks, we have one of our grandchildren over on either Friday night or Saturday night. Jenny started this a number of years ago, and the kids actually look forward to it. They call it their special night when they have their special night, uh, you know, and, and come and, and stay with us. Um, we usually let them choose where to eat, sometimes with a little more than just a little bit of, of guidance because... I can only do McDonald's so many times. And, um, you know, so sometimes we tell them, hey, we're going to go this place, that place. What do you think? You know, and, and uh, just give them a little bit of help there. Um, we also let them choose what they would like to do on their special evening. And uh, we very often end that evening by watching a movie together, sitting on the couch. Okay, I sit in my chair and sleep. They sit on the couch and snuggle with Grandma and eat popcorn and uh, watch a movie. And I have to tell you, I had no idea there were so many versions of Cinderella <laughs> until we had Aniston one night. And I think we watched five different versions of Cinderella that evening. Uh, that was her choice, and so... We did. Um, sometimes they choose instead of watching an endless uh, movie stream or going somewhere, uh, sometimes they'll choose to go to the store and we let them buy something. Now, uh, money is an object. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's, there is certainly a limit on, on, on what they're allowed to spend. They have a dollar limit. And they, so we're teaching them to see finances in there. Um, and they have all learned to limit their choices. Now, you know, sometimes they choose something that exceeds their limit. And, uh, you know, they'll look at, at uh, both Grandma and I. And um, I'm the one who speaks first because that's just a better thing I have found. And I tell them, pick again. I just, you know, with all the love in my heart, I just say, you know, uh, pick again, and what often happens is the younger ones, uh, the three younger ones, will will pick something and um, find a few things they really want, more than just one. You see, now each one is under that limit, but altogether they're not, and so they will push just a little bit, say, "But I really want, you know, this one and this one, and, and this one goes with it too." And so I will very graciously, and you know, I carry around, you know, sometimes the things they have picked, and then I will lay them out before them, and I'll say, pick one. 
because that's all we're you know that's all we're doing it is is you know we're we're picking one uh, now some adults have not learned that some adults have not learned that lesson and it creates chaos for them in many regards it creates financial chaos because they often can't afford all of the stuff that they buy <laughs> Did you ever look through your closet and see which clothes you really wear and which ones you don't wear but when you bought them this was a good thing to have I was looking at some of my shirts yesterday and I thought I think I'll wear that I think I'll wear that. What I do, what I try to do every once in a while is go through that closet and say, I can quit telling myself I think I'll wear that. I haven't worn that, so it's, you know, it's going to go. I haven't, I haven't done it enough, but uh, we need to. Well, here's the problem. If all, you're doing is choosing, if all you're doing is choosing between things you buy, then you are overlooking a foundational truth regarding stewardship. Now, last Sunday, we began a four-week study on stewardship uh, you know just a four-week series there we're, we're looking at four foundational truths about stewardship just one each week you know we kind of boil it down into one each week last week we saw that god owns it all he owns it all he owns everything i have everything that i have is his he owns it he has given it to me he has gifted it to me he has entrusted it to my care and i am simply his steward I manage his possessions. The things I have are his possessions, and I am, simply, I am simply the one managing them, not forgetting that he is the owner of that. And because that's true, because it's true that he's the owner, I need to get to know him better, because I need to know his hearts, his desires, his priorities in managing his possessions. While we get the benefit of them and we get to enjoy them, that is and should not be what sets the direction for us in how we use what God has provided for us. Now, this goes from finances to things to even our time. It, 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 you know, if we remember that it is all his as we go through it, you see, then it brings a whole new dynamic into into how we would manage those things that was the first you know that was the first principle we looked at last week let's pray and we're going to get into the one for this week father thank you for your grace and your trust and your abundant blessing to us now all of us probably have a list in our heads of more things we want and uh, well help us to see a little bit more your heart and your understanding uh, help us not to run to extremes unless that's where you're standing uh, but help us to be so much in tune with you that um, that hearing some of these truths would just be a, a great reminder as opposed to a huge revelation teach us we pray in Christ's name amen we're going to be in Luke chapter 16, if you want to turn there, page 963 in the Pew Bible, uh, Luke chapter 16. And as I mentioned, as I was praying, I, I really hope today what you're hearing is, is simply uh, a principle you're already applying in your life. And it's, it's good to be reminded of those principles. It's good to keep them before us. 
it's always good to be reminded of things in God's word. Now, perhaps it will be new to some of you, and um, if it is, I hope you embrace what God's saying. I am simply trying to help us understand God's word better. Now, that is the goal, and it should always be your goal, understand what God's word says. Um, you know, look into his word and, and, and see, you know, and is what, what I'm saying and what I'm explaining in line with God's word. And how am I living is how you're living in line with God's word. God's word is the important part here, and we're to be following that. So Luke chapter 16, beginning with verse 1, follow along with me. It says, he also said to his disciples, there was a rich man who received an accusation that his manager was squandering his possessions. So he called the manager in and asked, what's this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you can no longer be my manager. Then the manager said to himself, what should I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I'm removed from management, people will welcome me into their homes. So he summoned each of his master's debtors. How much do you owe my master? He asked the first one. A hundred measures of olive oil, he said. Take your invoice, he told him, sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he asked another, how much do you owe? A hundred measures of wheat, he said. Take your invoice, he told him, and write eighty. The master praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted astutely. For the sons of this age are more astute than the sons of light in dealing with their own people. I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of the unrighteous money so that when it fails, they may welcome you into eternal dwellings. Whoever is faithful in, in very little is also faithful in much, and whoever is unrighteous in very little is also unrighteous in much. So if you have not been faithful with unrighteous money, who will trust you with what is genuine? If you have not been faithful with what belongs to someone else, who will give you what is your own? No household slave can be a slave of two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot be slaves to both God and money. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, were listening to all these things and scoffing at him. And he told them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the sight of others, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly admired by people is revolting in God's sight. Interesting, interesting words to the Pharisees uh, kind of at the end of what we're looking at here. Now, just a reminder from last week, a manager is a steward. The word used here literally means one who rules a house. And it designates, it designates a higher-ranking servant, a higher-ranking uh, person, a steward. Now, the word slave appears in here again, and, you know, we have a little bit of trouble with that sometimes. Uh, last week, we covered that a little bit more. If you want to know more about it, I encourage you to listen to it online somehow and, and things. This is the same word that's used in, in 1 Corinthians and 1 Peter. In 1 Corinthians, it says... Um, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. You see, it's stewards of, of all that he has given us. It's not just those possessions, but also of his word, of his truth. And that plays into what he says here in, in Luke. Uh, moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful, that we be found faithful. 
First Peter, he says, as each has received a gift, uh, use it to serve one another. Here he's talking about those gifts of uh, abilities that he has given to us. Uh, all that, so when I'm talking about stewardship, we're talking about all those things. It's not simply finances. Uh, that certainly is a huge part for us, but it's everything. And he says, to, you know, use those things to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And again, both of these, the theme of both of these, come in into play here in Luke chapter 16. Now, some of the translations have managers or servants there in place of that word stewards, but they all refer to someone who manages another's property. That's what he's talking about. Someone who's managing another's property. This steward here in Luke 16, uh, this manager, this servant was guilty of wasting his master's possessions. He was guilty of wasting them, uh, you know, guilty of not making sure the possessions were used in a way that was in line with his master's values and goals. That's why I said you have to look and you have to know God better. You have to draw closer to him so you know his goals, so you know his heart, so you know what he wants. And this guy was guilty, was guilty of, of not doing that. He was, he was basically the problem. He, he, he didn't use them for the benefit of the master. He was using them for himself and the way he managed it what it really showed all all that showed was he really didn't care about the master you see the way you the way you manage what god is giving you shows your care about the lord it shows your you know your your care and your concern about him the way you manage his things well, for this manager here in, in Luke 16, it caused him all sorts of problems. We're not told the specifics, but we're told that he was so wrong in how he used his master's possessions that others noticed and reported it. Look at verse 1. A rich man, there was a rich man who received an accusation. You see, how this manager managed his master's possessions was so obviously out of line with the master's character that the other people knew that these other people came to the master and said, you know, this guy's not, not using this at all like you would. He's not using it at all. He, what he's doing, he's, he's mismanaging all of your stuff. Now, I would like to say that the manager didn't notice, you know, I'd like to give him the benefit of the doubt, you know, that he wasn't aware, perhaps it was inadvertent. Um, but look, you know, right there, it, it seems he's very aware of, of his misusing his master's possessions because it says when he was confronted about not managing them properly, he took action. He called together those, you know, that, that, uh, that, that didn't know. Verse 4, he says, I know what I'll do so that when I'm removed from management, people will welcome me into their homes. He, took my, he, he continued to take action only to serve himself. That's what he's doing. I, 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 he says, I, I know what I'll do. I'll, uh, you know, so what does he do? He compounds his mismanagement with even more mismanagement. He calls them in, you know, to reduce and has them reduce what they owe. He just continues with mismanagement. Why? So that when I'm removed from management, people will welcome me into their homes. He focused only on himself and he failed at stewardship. He failed as a steward because he focused only on himself, both before he was confronted and he continued that after he was confronted. He, he continued to focus only on himself. A steward, a manager, is to focus on the owner's desires. 
what is in the owner's best interest. Now, last week we dealt more with the, with the subject of ownership. And again, if you want to hear more about that, I, I'd encourage you to you know, get online and, you know, and listen. You can listen through the website or you can watch it on Facebook, whatever you want there. Uh, you know, but, you know, the whole question of ownership. Now, here in Luke 16, verses 5 to 7, we're told he called in several men who were in debt to the master. Notice the question. Notice the question he asks each one. How much do you owe? It's part of the manager's responsibility to know the master's business. It's part of his responsibility to know the master's business. He failed at that responsibility and he was removed from his position. He was no longer trusted as a steward, no longer trusted to manage his master's possessions. He was removed because he, could, he proved himself to be untrustworthy. Now, don't be confused by verse 8. In verse 8, it says, The master praised the unrighteous manager because he acted astutely. Some of the translations say because he acted shrewdly. Uh, don't be confused by that. Now, notice, he did not get his job back. He did not get his stewardship back. He still wasn't trusted. Let me paraphrase this. Let me paraphrase this verse for you a little bit. I got to hand it to you, dude. You're clever. Still dishonest, but clever. See ya. Yeah. He, he didn't get it back at all. You know, he, on his way out, he cleverly continued to misuse his master's possessions for his own selfish gains. Even when he was told and even when he was confronted, he continued to simply use them for his own selfish gains. Now notice Jesus' application of the story in verse 9. Verse 9, he says, And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of the unrighteous money, so that when it fails, they may welcome you into eternal dwellings. You see, this is not self-serving. This is God-serving. It's an entirely different motivation than what you see in verse 4. In verse 4, he says, I, I, I'm going I'm to do this so that when I'm removed, they'll welcome me into their homes. Jesus says here in verse 9, you know, that they may welcome you into eternal dwellings. You know, as I look at this story here and Jesus' application, you know, here's what I saw from my own stewardship and all that he has put under my care. You know, I, I need to be generous with God's wealth but using it in such a way that God would be pleased. You see, too often our focus is to please ourselves. You have to pick one, and we usually pick ourselves. You know, we, we usually pick ourselves. Our, our choices are to show more, our, our choices too often show more concern for our bank account than it does our stewardship for God. That we try to build up our bank account that we try to do. Look at that verse again. <clears throat> and I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of the unrighteous money so that when it fails, they may welcome you into eternal dwellings. We, spend, we often spend more time and money on our hobby, on our garden, on our sports, on our pets, on our car than we do on our church and on ministry. Just a thought for you. 
every year I go through. Well, we'll talk about that next week, maybe. But notice the difference in goals here. Notice the difference in goals. You know, the, the dishonest manager wanted to be welcomed into homes here on earth. Jesus said we should be concerned about being welcomed into heaven. The dishonest guy was focused on what's on earth. Jesus says, you know, you need to be focused on, on you know, being welcomed into heaven. This isn't new, but let me just remind you. The money, the possessions you working, you are working so hard to collect uh, will stay here when you go. You will go and it will all be left behind. Someone else is going to be sitting in your hot tub, driving your car, and wearing your clothes. Just the reality. The only thing that's going to be with you in heaven are those people that you helped come to know Jesus as their Savior. That, that's all that's good. The rest is going to be auctioned off at 10 cents on the dollar. If you're, if you're, uh, if, if your um, inheritors are lucky, it'll be 10 cents on a dollar. The material possessions that God has, has put under our control should be used to make and to strengthen friendships that will last for eternity. That will last for eternity. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Now, here, here's the thing. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. You know, material possessions are not a sin. All right? That's not what I'm talking about. If what you're hearing is pastor says we shouldn't have all this stuff, then you're not hearing Material possessions are not a sin. They are a responsibility. All the stuff we have is a responsibility. And some of you say, well, good, then I can go get... You know, we need to see how does God want us to use what he has in a responsible way? How are you managing that responsibility of all you have? How are you managing it? You know, are you using the possessions God's entrusted to your care to help people know Jesus? Are you using those to help people grow in their relationship with him? Are you using your home to build relationships so that others might come to know Christ and to build Christ up? Or are you using your home to hide in so that you don't have to talk to others? It's just a, it's very interesting to me. We, you know, living in a neighborhood now with sidewalks, when we lived in a parsonage, we didn't have sidewalks. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that walk around our neighborhood. And I was thinking about that. And Jenny and I went for a walk yesterday morning, and you can tell how many people have been going for walks because everyone doesn't shovel, and so there's footprints in the snow. You know, and a lot of people in our neighborhood go and walk. But as we were walking, and I was thinking, there's almost 400 homes in our neighborhood and i'm telling you there aren't 400 people out walking i'm so glad to have uh, you know a garage where i can uh, hit the button the door goes up and i pull my car in hit the button the door goes down i don't have to talk to anybody
That's what we're used to. That's what we're used to. How are we managing all that God has entrusted to our care? Is our home just a place to hide in? Just a place to store all our stuff so that we can use it? Or do we use it to build friendships? To strengthen relationships with those who know Christ? Just a thought for you. When's the last time you had somebody in this room over? Just, I'm just asking you, you know, just something to think about for you. How are you using that home God has given you? How are you using that car God has given you? Those clothes, as I said, you know, I look in my closet and I think, how much of this stuff do I wear? How much? How are we managing what he has given us? Use your possessions. Use all those things you have to share the reality and love of Jesus with others. Be a missionary for Jesus in your own neighborhood. You know, right where you are. The focus, you know, the focus here is not on, on temporary things here on earth. It's investing these things with eternity in view. This is what he says. So that they'll welcome you into heaven. You know, we've probably all dreamed a little bit of what we'd do with a million bucks. I don't know if you, you know, you can say you haven't, but I have. used to be Ed McMahon. If Ed McMahon came knocking on my door, you won Publishers Clearinghouse. That is amazing because I didn't even send it in. But I, I used to, you know, I used to do that. Uh, uh, you know, but, you know, the whole, you know, what would we do with that million bucks, you know, if we got it? You know, it's not really a question of what you would do. If you re- you've already received more than you realize. Here's a challenge for you. You know, I've, I've been getting this stuff together for my taxes. Just for kicks, just for kicks, take your last 10 years of your tax returns. Look at your W-2. Add up those 10 years worth of wages, worth of income. Just just a thought for you. Take a look at that number. When I started working, okay, I realized I'm old. Um, Jenny and I uh, were together with some people yesterday, um, you know, some of which we haven't seen for a very long time, uh, some of which were kids um, here at Northside. They, they visited um, you know, other family that were here. They lived in California, and they'd come up, you know, for several weeks during the summer, and they'd come here. And they said, boy, we remember coming to church here. And it, it, they said, we remember breaking the eight-cord manks, you know, and doing all this other stuff. And they, you know, and, and, and they remember, you know, all of these things. And I don't know why I brought this up. But, you know, the... You know, we have been given more than we realize. And what have we done with it? You see, the question is not what we would do with a million bucks if we got it. The question really is, what are you doing right now with what you already have? What are you doing right now with what you already have? 
how I fulfill a small task is the best proof of my fitness or my unfitness to be entrusted with a larger responsibility. You know, how I handle those things is, is a proof of my fitness or my unfitness to handle a larger responsibility. One of the people we saw yesterday, um, Blaine Padgett. Yeah, some of you guys know Blaine and remember Blaine. Uh, and he came up, you know, he was, he was a kid when they first started coming here. Uh, and then he came up through the youth group. And now he's, anyway, um, I was talking to him. He had switched jobs, what did he say, three, four years ago, I forget. Uh, and he's working, he's, he's working at another place now. And he said, I started there as a janitor, just cleaning up. He said, and then some other opportunities opened up, and I applied for him, and I got him. You know, and he was telling us about, you know, where he is and what he's doing now. Uh, do you think they gave him these other jobs with more responsibility because he did such a lousy job as the janitor? Oh, no, we, we know that. We know that's not, you know, we know that's not true. There's the picture. The real test is what are you doing right now with what you already have and how you fulfill the tasks that you have now, even those small tasks, are the best proof of your fitness, your unfitness to do more. Look at verse 10. Whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And whoever is unrighteous in very little is also unrighteous in much. So if you've not been faithful with the unrighteous money, who will trust you with what is genuine? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to someone else, who will give you what is your own? Look at verse 13, because it gets to the heart of the matter there. No household slave can be the slave of two masters, since either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot be slaves to both God and money. You must pick one. Here's the thing, realize you do pick one. Each and every decision you make, you are picking one with each decision you make. Serving God is never a part-time commitment. Every decision you make, every decision you make is part of it. Now you can have you can have both God and money, but you cannot serve both God and money. Pick one. God should be the goal, not wealth. He should be our goal. You know, and, and we should invest our lives and use our possessions for the eternal good of others you know, and for the glory of God, to honor Him. If our, you know, if our, our goal is to see how generous we can be, if that's our goal, you know, we want to see how generous we can be, then you do well. You know, you do well if your goal is to see how generous you can be, to help others and to help them know Christ. But if your goal is to see how much we can get and do for our, you know, gather for ourselves, then you do poorly. This is what he's telling us here. You do po- Biblically speaking, you do poorly. Now, he brings up the Pharisees at the end, and that's a, there's a good picture. The world, those without a relationship to God, those who didn't have a relationship with God, they'll tell you the opposite. They will tell you, piling up more stuff for yourself, you do good. And if you're generous with others, you do poorly. You know, but that's not what God says. God tells us you know, that, that, that if we are generous and using what we have to help others and to know the love of God and come to know him, that we do well. Pick one. 
what the Bible says or what the world says. Pick one. You're picking one each decision you make. The most important quality for a manager, for a steward, you know, is that he serves his master faithfully. Now, we cannot, you know, we cannot be orthodox in our theology and at the same time heretical in the way we manage his stuff. Look what it says in Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. No one can be a slave of two masters since he will hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot be slaves of God and money. This is why I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about. Isn't it interesting? He goes from that right into this or, or, or what you will drink or your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food in the body, more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add a single cubit to his height by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Learn how the wild flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear. For the idolaters eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. No one can serve two masters, so pick one. You know, pick one. You know, we're stewards who honor God with all that he's given us. You know, are we those stewards who honor him with all he's given us, whether it's a lot or whether it's a litter? Little. Litter? That's a lot. Whether it's a lot or a little. Uh, just a reminder, you know, one day we're going to have to answer for God to God for how we use and how we, how we acquire and how we use what he's given us. Romans chapter 14 for we'll all stand before the tribunal of God. That's the judgment seat where they are brought before, uh, before the, the, the emperor to answer for, their, answer for their actions, to answer for what they've done. Verse 11, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me. Every tongue will give praise to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. God has every right to hold us accountable for the things he has given us. God has every right to hold us accountable for what he has entrusted to our care. He has every right to do that. And he informs us that we'll be held accountable. Here's the second foundational principle. I can't serve God and anything else. I can't serve God and anything else. I can't serve God and myself. I can't serve God and my employer. I can't serve God and this society. So I need to clear up the confusion and pick one. Full-time steward or part-time owner? Pick one. You know, serve yourself or serve God. Just pick one. Verse 9, I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous money so that when it fails, they may welcome you into eternal dwellings. No household slave can be the slave of two masters since he will either hate one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. 
You cannot be slaves of both God and money. With every decision you make, you are picking one. Make sure it's the right one. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the way in which you have provided for us. Don't let us buy what the world has to tell us and what the enemy would like us to believe, that you're holding out on us and everyone else has so much more than we do, because that's not the question, Father. You have been very generous to each one of us. Don't let us be stymied by what others have. Let us look with joy on what you have given to us, how you have provided for us, the way in which you work in our lives and in our hearts. The things you have given us are simply a trust that is yours. Help us to use it to bring you honor and glory. Help us to always pick you, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.